Welcome to episode 55 of the TPH podcast. I'd like to thank you guys for all your support. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys. Also, don't forget to check out alleymunitions.com. This is our kind of, we don't do sponsors here, but we are self-sponsored. Uh, we've been uploading a lot of sales items, a lot of ammo, as well as reloading components. So be sure to check that out. Aside from that, let's get started with the episode. Hey, uh, you know that song Radioactive? You know, you know what song I'm talking about? Who sings it? It's a ma- Yeah, who sings it? You asking me? Yeah, who sings it? I think I know what song you're talking about. Uh, also the one, it's like th- the thunder, lightning and the thunder or whatever. I don't think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me uh, imagine dragons. Imagine dragging these nuts across your chin. <laughs> That's stupid. Fuck you, that's a good song. <laughs> so we're like, they just look at that one use case and this number's greater than that number and then they freak the fuck out. I'm sorry, right. soy the fuck out is a case of many of them. Right. But it's and it's awesome. But now it's a, it's a grand conspiracy by Big Suppressor to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, to 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 market you, and then we're probably we're probably involved in this conspiracy because we're related to a company that sells suppressors. So we don't want. Uh, <laughs> I just I I just don't. There's so much emotion in it, and I just I don't like my my nervous system is just exhausted these days. And I just I look at it, and I'm like, what, like why? It's people have too much time to type on the internet. They should be shooting their guns. And not worrying about all that stupid shit. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, oh, let me, let me take a break and just look at social media for 15 minutes so I can maybe get my mind off something else. And it's like, oh, no, everything's drama. Hi, have you met social media? Yeah. I just want to look at pretty pictures of guns. Then don't read the comments. Occasionally a, a cat video. You, uh, what did that guy say? What? What did the guy say? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm asking. Too, I'm just. I'm. I'm asking. I'm asking too much. It is arrogant. Arrogant. Hey, uh, what was it? Arrogant. I'm arrogant and something else. Hey, commoner, I love you, man. I'm. I'm sorry if I come off that way. It's not intentional. I. No. Yes, it is. What are you talking? About? I have. I have faults just as any other man. And it's uh, totally intentional. <laughs> Why can't? Why isn't it pulling up? I have it right here. I, I was, I've taken so many photos since then. I can't find it. It was great. Oh, I come off as arrogant and pretentious yeah, towards sure. the older sh- shooting community. I apologize for absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> pretentious ass. <laughs> the double champ does what he wants. Oh gosh, it's fine. It's funny. Yeah. Let's get into the next topic. The only thing I, I hated about that comment was specifically, I didn't know like what comment I said triggered that one. Probably all of them. Cause I'm like, like I want to know like which one, which one was it? it was the one that like broke the camel's back. <laughs> right? This guy's like, fuck this guy. I'm going to have to go back and let's do it with like very in detail. Yeah. Hey, it's funny. I accept all people. <laughs> You're pretentious. <laughs> I mean, I am, though. He makes a great point. He's not wrong. 
Today's topic. Let's get into it. You ready? Are you ready for this? Man, if I if I use my visual clues, something tells me it might have something mm. to do with optics. It does. Uh, what were we going to call this? Uh, buying a scope in 2023? Wait, let's see. Optic overload. Optic overload it is. I like it. I dig it. Look at that. Do, do you need a, like a, a photo a screen grab? Or I just... Yeah. It, 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 hold that for a second. That's, no, there's a thumb there. <laughs> you know what? That's actually, you know... And I realized that apparently a lot of YouTube people, they'll hire people specifically and like their sole job is they make thumbnails. Like scrubbing through an hour and a half video to find like the right frame is typically a pain in the fucking ass. I will say it. Cause then it's like, like I feel like I'm constantly parodying all the other ones, but people might not realize that. Cause I'm like, do I go like overboard and go like too like obvious or do I make it subtle? And sometimes it's like, you're just making all these weird faces and I kind of want to put those on there. And, and, until this, I didn't know I was such a visual speaker. Yeah. Apparently, I do a lot of things with the hands. The worst is always when we have guests, and I like want to put them on the thumbnail, but I'm like hyper paranoid. I'm like, I want to make sure like, it's a really flattering, like that they're not. No, I, I say you make it the most unflattering. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because I don't want them to be looking at the thumbnail and go like, shit. You know, I wish you would use that one. And But I'm also, uh, I had a brush with a tism, so I'm not always like, I found this out as a photographer. The pictures that I think look the best, typically people don't think it looks the best of themselves. It's a whole thing. Eh. That's why I would never want to take photos of people. Yeah, it's kind of a pain. It's just no. Optic overload. Optic overload. I'm going to say 2023 because we'll just do one every year. 2023 optic overload. That was a bit of an overload because, I mean, new scopes come out every year, you know. And while you could listen to us and just listen to our opinions and then buy what we tell you, we want to make you guys informed purchasers capable of walking to any stores or establishments such as Ally Outdoors in Midland, Texas. And going through the optic selection and finding out what you like and how to determine the qualities of a scope that would best suit your needs. It sounds like big, big box store talk right there. Yeah. You're just trying to rope you in there, folks. Well, let's be honest. The reality is uh, if you're going to be buying from anywhere, you're going to have to educate yourself because uh, chances are if you're talking to an employee in most retail stores... When it comes to optics, nobody knows shit. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to get steered into what they happen to have overheard yes. or like what they might own. Yes. And that's just <sighs> part of it. Yeah, a lot of it's based off the internet bullshit and everything. Like, I've, I, I've heard, I tend to, uh, one of my, when I visit other gun stores, especially like big box stores, asking, I always ask a few things, and one of them's about optics. Like, hey, I'm doing this. What optic do you recommend and why? Because I'm curious to see if anybody actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Majority of people don't. Then they'll well, offer you something, just whatever. Like, it'd be one thing if, I, I would say probably 90% of, like, gunstone employees, employees probably couldn't explain to you what a zero stop is. No. And of the 10% that could, probably 99% couldn't tell you how to set the zero stop on the individual no. optic they're talking about. Probably not, you know. You might get lucky. You might. Yeah, I mean, of all the places I've been, and I try to visit gun stores as much as possible, it seems as if 
uh, big box store is never the right place to ask. Although I never got to ask anybody at Shields. I feel like somebody over there knows what's going on. Oh. Because their stuff's paired so well. Yeah. But, like, I do, I do find that a lot of small-town gun stores, it's one of two ways. One, someone in there has a lot of knowledge. Or two, it's a boomer who's just going to be like, buy this because I said so. Well, you'll have, like, the... There's always, like, the, the, the guy, like, oh... The optics guy is not in today, right? Right. Or like the 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 long range guy, he's not he's not here today. Or they always have like specific guys for everything. Yeah, and you know, we're we're throwing a lot of shade on on stores right now. No, no, no let's is, just let's be honest. Like, gun stores kind of suck for like in like you get a bunch of like non specific knowledge. Yeah, I was gonna say there is. It is hard because there's a lot of products. So unless you had all like gun enthusiasts, which typically speaking, except for the big box stores, you typically don't have big gun enthusiasts working there. It's just a job. Like they're a cog and wheel. Typically speaking, they're probably going to know certain things pretty well, but it's, it's really hard to know all things really well. And one of the most hardest things probably is optics, especially when you carry a large selection, like, but I look at it like this way. If it was my only job to, to be a retail employee, I would hope that it'd be, you know, dissected by section so I could really specialize in a few things. But if I had, say I covered optics, bolt guns, bolt gun accessories, optics, accessories, all that, I'd be the best at that shit. There's, but there's a really, yeah. I think the biggest problem is chances are the guy you're talking to probably isn't like the guy and second of all there's a limit of how much you can learn about like optics without actually just physically yes. owning them, and that gets uh really expensive yes very and when i used to do uh, lots of optic reviews on the tph youtube channel uh that was a very expensive game because all the new optics every year and i couldn't even get all i wanted to do uh very expensive yeah but like you can get on all the manufacturers do really good nowadays of having specifications, and everything else. But before you have like a good opinion on how certain things look and at low light and everything else, or what's good for what, like you have to own a bunch of shit and you have to use it. And other than that, it's just like, it's, it's faceless opinions and you could be spreading misinformation to your potential customers. And you may, if you're spreading misinformation, they may buy something they take home and they absolutely hate yeah but i mean yeah you're only you're only real like tool for most people out there is to go watch youtube youtube reviews and yeah and there are very very specific and that kind of brings me up to my first topic is uh doing your own research well actually my first thing would be get a budget in mind it's really simple now how do you set that budget that's totally up to you but i am gonna say Spend as much money as you can. If the difference between spending 500 and a thousand is you waiting a couple more weeks or a month or whatever the case may be, I would highly recommend waiting a little bit longer and saving some more money because like, say I have X amount of dollars right now, or I can wait a couple more months and get double that. Well, you're probably gonna get double the optic. Now, 
the caveat to this is nowadays you can spend a lot less money and get a pretty good friggin' optic nowadays. Yeah, the old uh, old boomer thing I think was you spend two X on the optic of the cost of the rifle. Yeah, and that's you know, if you can, great, do it. But I mean there's certain That's also back when rifles were a little cheaper. Right. So there's certain things where it really depends on the use case. You know, after you set your budget and again, don't skimp on the budget. Save more if you can. Like, but if if you have a set budget, like I'm gonna spend X amount on the, the entire platform, and I've already bought my raffle, so I have X amount left. Number one, don't forget about the rings or the bases or all that stuff. Because what good is a you say like this is a scope right here, twenty five hundred dollars somewhere around there, the Mark Five three point six illuminated version. I think it's twenty five twenty six hundred. Yeah, I would never put this in a set of fifty dollar rings. Like that's stupid. Uh, I I tend to try and like the more the higher dollar the scope, the better the rings and bases. But you also don't have to you know completely kill your budget nowadays on a good set of rings. Like a, a lot of rings, anywhere from I'm gonna I'm gonna put a cap on like a hundred dollars and up. It's pretty good. Whether it be uh, you know, there's God's brands. Maybe we'll get into that on another video. Is like go over rings, bases, and all that stuff because that could be a pretty long conversation in itself. But keep in mind, don't just don't blow all your money on the optic. You need something good to put it in. <clears throat> but establish a budget before you even go looking into store establish a budget like you have to know what your budget is and if you could save a little bit longer to increase that go ahead and do that and go ahead and join groups on facebook that sell optics because you can get i still do it if there's a scope i want to try but it's not like a i have to have this scope it's just something like i maybe want to try my first stop is facebook groups like buy sell trade optics because you can usually get a pretty fair deal sometimes in there, but buyer beware. There's sometimes there's scammers that run amongst in those groups, but if you can get it there, you can potentially save a ton of money and you can, you know, put it into your rings and bases and, or more accessories for your rifle and everything else. But you have to establish a budget. Like you have to be realistic. And once you establish your budget, then you establish like use case. That's the biggest, biggest factor of all. Cause like, you know, this is just a small sampling of a few optics. Uh, some have the same use case. Some have multi-use cases. Like, obviously, if I was putting together like a AR-15 for predator hunting for close quarter stuff, it wouldn't be this Leopold 3.618 because that's not really ideal. It's kind of like hunting in the brush 100 yards in. It's kind of over overpowered for that situation. It's You'd be wasting m- money on that. Yeah, yeah, you almost have to ask yourself <laughs> in the beginning, like, what, what what distance am I going to be shooting at the most? Yeah, you know, use case kind of goes to a lot of things. Like, what am I doing with it? Well, once I know what I'm doing with it, and I always recommend making lists because it helps you uh, gather your thoughts much easier. I really need to put in the new microphone holders, but at any time. Uh, <laughs> budget, use case. And then how far am I shooting to? Again, all those kind of go hand in hand. Cause like you're going to be shooting hundred yards max. Like you'd say you live in thick country. You're putting together a predator hunting rifle or a, a deer hunting rifle or a pig hunting rifle, whatever the case may be. But like your furthest shot is hundred yards. Uh, you, you might think you might need like a five to 25 or something like that, but that's absolutely erroneous. Like it's, there's no, no need in any of that. Not even close. So you start compiling this list, like on the top number one budget use case, 
how far am I shooting to? And then just start breaking it down even further. Like options I want, magnification I want, like go on and on and on, like break this list down. You may end up by the time you get completely done with your list and making it as minute as possible, you may end up with like, you may have narrowed the field from, I mean, how many scopes are available? Like from each manufacturer, like especially people like Leopold, Vortex, they have so many SKUs so many different options amongst those SKUs. And then you have so many scope manufacturers nowadays. You could start out literally with the possibility of, I don't know, thousands of scopes. And by the time you narrow down this list and get as detailed as you want, you may narrow it down to like 10 scopes. And it makes your decision that much easier. And I guarantee you, you'll probably narrow it down even further than 10. Well, 10 probably be about the limit there. Because like you can go down to like, do I want a 30 millimeter tube? Do I want a 34 millimeter tube? Do I want a large objective they want a small objective uh do i want a fast focusing eyepiece do i want a adjustable eyepiece like there's so many things you can really narrow it down and you owe it to yourself to know what these things mean before you even start making a list and if you have any buddies that are nerds about shooting and hunting go start looking through all those scopes like put eyes on as many optics as possible because that's really going to help you Cause like I, I say this once and I'll say it again and you can make that a part of your list. What glass looks good to your eyes? Because it's just like glasses. Optic clarity at a certain price points is like perception and lens coatings. In my opinion, like different people require different prescription glasses. It's that's no secret or di- different prescription. Uh, what are the things in your eyeballs? Uh, contact lenses so it's not crazy to think that you're going to perceive certain glass differently because like i tell people this all the time uh i the the mark fives above all man really most of leopold's glass agrees with my eyes the best i guess it just it works for me it jives for me it's because you're Uh, a real american (laughs) uh Whereas like some of the, even the razor vortexes, they just don't agree with my eyes. And there's, I've done lots and lots of hours sitting behind those scopes and looking at them. Like they're optically, optically they're clear, but there's something about either the lens coating or the glass or whatever the case may be that it just doesn't agree with that much with my eyes. And I have several different price points of vortexes, just like everything else. My eyes just get along good with the Leopold glass, especially the Mark fives and you know, all that uh, VX six vx5 that's all the same class but put eyes behind as many scopes as possible and then put that on your list like i really like the vortex razor glass i really like the mark 5 glass i really like the sig glass you know make notes and then really dial this list in and it'll 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 make your life that much easier but you know once you put all this this list together and you've done some looking online and look for sales. I mean, that's, if you can save money on glass, you can potentially buy a better base or better set of rings or these one piece mounts and everything else. Like, yeah, hundred percent go save some money and utilize these storefronts to look through optics as much as possible. Now keep in mind, oh, that may, that may be too hard to explain. Keep in mind that picking up a scope and just trying to look through it isn't always the best indicator 
of the eye box, the eye relief and everything else. Cause you're literally trying to hover the scope around, look through it and everything else. If they have some sort of platform, you can put the scope in or tripod with a clamp that you can clamp it in to look to it. That's more realistic. Like that's a better, it's a better example of what the eye relief and eye box and everything else is going to look like. So, you know, do yourself a favor there. Don't just try to hold it up and hover it around and all that stuff. Most times stores are confined in space. Like most time tops hundred yards, you know, maybe some bigger box storage you can look further. So if they allow you to walk outside and look around, ask them. Most of them will. They'll accompany you to walk outside real fast. Put eyes on that glass through in the store is generally a great place to look through a scope because of the typically speaking retail stores are pretty low light. And what I like to do is set the the uh, parallax if it has parallax, look into the darkest corner, zoom the scope all the way up to the fullest power. And that'll tell you a lot about the uh, optic clarity. Uh, because if it's cheap, shitty glass, it's going to be dark. You ain't going to be able to hardly see anything. And then take it outside and see how far you can look and see if you can uh, see mirage and everything else. Like really, really focus on the glass clarity. And don't expect $2,000 glass clarity out of a $500 scope. And the only way you can get become a good judge at that is putting eyes on several different kinds of optics and really studying them, like looking through them for a long time. And so, you know. what's the what's like the number one giveaway? Let's say you know, cheap scope, high quality scope, twenty five act or twenty yeah, let's see twenty five power. Like, what are the big signs that you'll see, which like show you that okay, this is inferior? Uh, again, looking in the looking in dark corners. Is it so? Is it is that like the di- like you really can't see in the shadows as much, or are you talking? It just it's performance in low light is yeah noticeably awful. Just let less bright. Yes. Now, are you because the the impurities the glass is less yeah it's less perfect. lights getting through uh, less light is passing through and just while we're on the subject, scopes don't gather light. They allow light to pass through, and the better the glass the better the light will transition through the scope. Now, if you're uh, yeah, a specs way, kind of person, yeah, go ahead. light transmission is typically horseshit. It's just like measuring flashlights or the suppressors and everything else. They're all going to claim to be like really good because they've, they've tested it at a certain point where it gives you these good numbers. Just put eyes on it. I mean, yeah. again, it's how your eyes perceive certain glass and everything else. General rule of thumb, the less money you want to spend, the lower the power optic you should get 100%. Say, you know, starting, I'm just going to throw it out there like 4K, like your your upper end swirls, kills, callus, callus, however the hell you say that shit, all the way down to like $150, $200. Like, if you have a $200 budget, and I'm fine with that, you should get, you should put together a platform and go shoot. If you have a $200 budget, don't buy something that's 5 to 25 with a $200 budget. That's just not going to work out in your favor. It's it's going to be pretty much worthless on low-light situations at 25x. Because it, that's that's really using, like, cheap turrets, uh, cheap glass. Like, everything's going to be cheap on that some bitch. So, go for a lower-power variable optic, if you even do a variable optic at all. What were you about to ask? No, I was going to say, Sorry, I, I mean... ranting there. 
yeah, it's like you have a, a certain amount of light in the in the air, and how much gets to the actual to your eye, you know, the more I guess imperfect a system is, it's going to obviously take less. Now, are you looking like how are you trying to judge sharpness? You know, again at max power, are you just like trying to find like like edge details? Or yes, you- I'm trying to find. Okay, I'm running it up to max magnification. If it has parallax, set the parallax right. Which let me just back up there before I even got started. I check the diopter or the ocular lens and make sure that is set up for my eye to where the reticle is crisp and clean. Cause you know, so many people don't know about the, the adjustable eyepiece and what exactly it's supposed to do and everything else. First thing you should always do is pick up the scope, find a bright white wall or look outside the blue sky, whatever the case may be. Look at it real fast, put it down. Look at it real fast, put it down. What you're looking for is the reticle itself to be crisp and clear. Set the diopter, the fast focus eyepiece, whatever the case may be. Like like I said, some are different. I tend to prefer the fast focus eyepiece. I think it looks cleaner, aesthetically more pleasing than the the entire ocular lens housing being adjustable, such as like the LHT. It's one of my downfalls. Like uh, this this one here the entire ocular lens adjust they both do the same thing but it's it's much easier to adjust a fast focus eyepiece so set that up to where the reticle is crisp and clear once you get that ready then you find a dark corner uh and max out the power magnification set the parallax adjustment properly and just look at it and what you're looking at is you want to try and find something that you can look at some detail like whether it's a mount in a store or sign in a store, whatever the case may be, you're looking for number one, focus on the, whatever you're looking at. Can you see it clear? Does your parallax need to be adjusted? Cause the numbers on a parallax knob are just suggestions. Get your parallax set up and then start looking for detail on this max magnification. How bright does it appear? How much detail can you see? And then you start looking at, so I start in the middle then I start looking at the edges so typically speaking on cheaper optics, once you start moving out to the edges, it'll it'll either have like a fish eye effect where like it looks weird or it start getting really distorted or there'll be a, I can't say the word. Chromatic aberration. Yes. Uh, colors don't match up and all that stuff. Like these are things you're going to see in lower cost optics, but you also have to be willing to accept certain flaws when you have certain budgets, like certain scopes are going to be great again i'm just gonna harp on the mark five like it's fantastic and i'm sure some people are like i don't like it well this is glass agreeing with their eyes <clears throat> but when you start moving down price point you're going to give up on certain things and certain scope companies have gotten it figured out like they'll give up certain things to give you better glass for the price point such as like the sig msr for the price point this is hands down one of the best lpvos and i said what i said for the he price point. You done said it. What you're getting. Still waiting on the check, but he said it. <laughs> <laughs> what you're getting for this, the all the MSRs, the, the 1 to 6, 1 to 8, and 1 to 10, what you're getting for the monies is freaking out of this world. But where they, it seems where they give up on a certain things, they didn't give you a good turret because this has a BDC reticle. It doesn't need a good turret. Now, is it an awful turret? No, it's kind of it's kind of spongy, but you're going to zero this and then leave it on. Like you shouldn't be dialing this turret. 
So they saved money there. Now, they did a little tricky thing here with the uh, the uh, scope itself to kind of, I think, the, I, this is just a He's talking out of that speculation, book. folks, because they haven't reached out to me and let me know. Because what you're getting, like, you get the mount. You get a, go ahead and get a throw lever. It's a 1 to 10. It's got a good reticle. It's illuminated and everything else. And it's tannadized or whatever you call this color. But when you look in, like, lower cost optics like this whole package is what the one to ten what do you think it i think it's like 600 uh the one to ten okay yeah i think it's this one by 28 uh, is the second focal point i thought you i thought you were that was the first focal plane which is 769 or 699 that's in the system twice 700 600 oh, oh excuse me so anyways would you say second focal point was six what 600 600 dollars okay with amount so 500 dollars yes. Uh, so technically speaking, this shouldn't be that great. Now, what I think they did is to keep you from seeing the, uh, say the word again, chromatic aberration, <laughs> let's keep you from seeing it. They made these rings around the, uh, the lenses that are awful thick. And I have to think that's kind of potentially hiding some of that. Like it. Okay, say oh, it's just keeping you on the center of the glass. Say I give you the entire piece of glass, see, like which is I what people tend to want on an LPVO for that one X, like super wide, super field wide field of view on one X. If I give you the whole thing to look at, and it's we're literally producing this scope for five hundred dollars. There's probably going to be some the wire around the edges, but if I cover it up, <laughs> you don't you only see the good shit. So I could be totally wrong off base here, but I, I kind of think I'm right. But anyways, I don't even know where was that. Oh yeah. Looking in a dark corner looking for impurities in the optics. Like again, if you're spending low budget and you uh, pull this bad boy out because like this is going to be a hunting scope. Now there's a very, those are very important factors. If you're hunting, you're typically going to be shooting in low light situations because most animals are, is the word crepuscular? Did I just get it that? It sounds totally like wrong? shellfish to me. <laughs> Man, look at that. Look at that snail. Can, can he sure you, is crepuscular. Pull it up, Jamie. Yes. In zoology, a crepuscular... Wait, you know what? We're going to... This is... Oh, learning gonna, moment. Learning moment. In zoology, a crepuscular animal's... Crep, crepuscular. Are you... <laughs> In zoology, a crepuscular animal is one that is active primarily during the twilight period, being, I don't know what the hell those words are. <laughs> You're supposed to be the smartest of us, too, and we're at a standstill here. Yeah, no, I'm probably going to like re-edit this and like, <laughs> crepuscular in zoology. But anyways, like, if you're going to be primarily hunting with this optic and you're going to be hunting crepuscular animals which most of them are you're gonna be shooting in low, lots of low light situations versus but wait what if i'm just a target shooter if you're a target shooter and you're never going to be shooting in low light then perhaps you should uh side on the uh, land on the side of better turrets less you can go you can not as good glass because like like uh, i'm pretty sure arkin is one of them like that's a uh very low cost target shooting scope where they don't they don't cheat like the turrets are great and everything else but you're going to get a little bit less 
little bit less quality glass, which they also kind of, I think they just sell direct to like you buy direct to them. So that probably that takes out a lot of the MSRP price hike, but you need to know again, going back to your list, like what am I doing? Use case and everything else. Like, cause if you're target shooting, you can give up on glass quality because you're going to be shooting during the middle of the day. Most of the time you would, you would want better turrets. You'd place more importance on the tracking and the turrets and having other features such as parallax adjustment and everything else, as opposed to for hunting, I would put more attention on the optic clarity as opposed to like turrets and everything else, which kind of leads me to my next thing is through your list, you're going to be able to determine what features you want other than just good glass. Like obviously buy the best glass you can afford. But if I'm going to be, again, shooting out to 100 yards, hunting out to 100 yards, I'm going to get, it depends on what animal I'm hunting as well. Like if I'm shooting deer and pig, this guy right here, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm going with a six hour one to 10 because of the price point. Like that's a freaking amazing deal. But if I have even more money to spend, I might even look at the uh, Vortex Razor one to 10 because that's a great optic. Like that's one of my favorite Vortex scopes is a one to 10. Now, I have problems with the radical. We'll get to that in different podcasts, different day. So, what is the what is the particular decision that would move you from like let's say like a one to six to a one to eight or a one to ten? Would it just be distance? Distance and animal, because like I tend to sign like I, in my opinion, by today's standards, how how popular LPVOs have gotten and how many options there are. Like we have a bunch that out outdoors in Midland. <laughs> Of a bunch of stock. 201 Spring Park Drive. That's 201 <laughs> Spring Park Drive, Midland, Texas. We literally have been focusing on upping like all of our options, and we have quite a few, and there's still way more. But by today's standards, my personal opinion, there's absolutely no reason to have cheap 3 to 9s, cheap 2 to 10s, everything else. Like, if you're going to get into 2 to 10s and up, go to the higher dollar scopes because literally you don't have to use the base that comes with this like you can use regular scope rings and run this on a deer hunting rifle but as far as like a one to six again going back to that my furthest shot is 100 yards and it's deer or pigs i have a one to six on my ar-10 for pigs and i clip a clip on night vision in front of me when i hunt at night and i freaking love it for pigs especially it's primary for pigs but i'll shoot some deer with it one to eight is a great great option for like we're getting into uh varmint hunting territory plus deer and pigs one to 10 a little bit further engagements uh me personally i have several one to sixes i love them but if if i'm coyote hunting with it i don't want to shoot a, over like i don't even like shooting further than 200 with the one to six but that's my eyes personal preference like a lot of people the old adage is uh one x per 100 yards so typically speaking and i i can't i can run still with my one to six out to 600 yards, but that's still, that's not a hunting situation. That's not a, uh, a coyote. It's, you know, 600 yards with a one to six. Now, would I try it if I knew my stuff was delved right? Absolutely. Do I want to do it? No. Have I done it? Not yet, <laughs> but, uh, 200, 250 yards, one to six, it's doable. And I've done it. Uh, we even captured it on film a couple of times, 200 around that 200 yard mark. Do I like it? Absolutely not. I like to have a little bit more pinpoint shooting on like, coyote size game now pig and deer i'm totally fine shooting out 200 yards uh because they're they're gonna stand still a little bit longer and everything else but again i'm i'm a i'm more of a fan for the one to sixes for like a 
if I have a crossover platform or a pig only close ranges or deer only close ranges, like, or again, crossover home defense. Cause obviously typically speaking now I'm saying typically because there are certainly caveats and, you know, again, come down to price point and feature set and everything else. Typically speaking, your one to six is going to, it's probably going to be a little bit better for the closer range stuff than, than your one to eight or one to tens. But there's also like, what are we talking about? Uh, are we talking about a apples to apples, one to six, to one to 10. Like, are we talking about like a, a SIG MSR one to six versus a razor one to 10? Like there's a price, huge price difference there. I'd probably really have one to 10, the razor. But if we're talking about the MSR line and I'm only shooting out to the first I'll ever shoot is 100 yards and I primary deer hunt, pig hunt, and I want something that's going to cross over for home defense, 1 to 6 is fine. Everything else, I'm going 1 to 8 and 1 to 10. And it also depends on how far I'm shooting. Like with my 1 to 10s, I have tons of them now. I have zero issues shooting coyote size game out to 600 yards. Like I, I feel totally fine, totally confident with that. Zero issues. Like, 400 yards in the end, my one to eights, I love them just fine. Uh, and like I said, 100 yards in, one to six. Like that's where I'm living. I'm not getting, I'm not going with the old three to nines and all that kind of stuff, except for very certain use case scenarios. Now we'll get to that here in just a minute. Again, crossover, meaning like home, an AR 15, home defense and hunting. LPVLs are freaking fantastic. But. If you're shooting, you're hunting in these woods scenarios, which way more people probably hunt in thick stuff than we do out here. Like overwhelming majority of the world nowadays probably still hunts in thicker country. I, I just about imagine, uh, your LPVOs like to me, it's worse out nowadays. Cause you have so many options as well. Like, and being able to slap that thing over on one X and shoot something really up close and then dial it all the way out to eight and 10 X to shoot something even further away all the different reticle options, uh, the different price points you can get into. You can find some that are pretty freaking lightweight, compact. Like I really like that about the LPVOs and they're just fine in low light scenarios, especially if you get like good optics. So, you know, kind of covered that. Now let's get into, uh, scope tube recommendations because this is like a, a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, just because it has a bigger tube doesn't necessarily mean it's going to gather more light, like people like to say, because that's just not true in most cases. Typically speaking, the internals are about the same size. What you end up with is the ability to dial more with the larger tubes. Now, this is just a brief glance over that, but typically speaking, the internal diameter is no different like with a one inch 30 millimeter 34 millimeter or th even the 35 millimeter which there should be some exceptions but the reason why they started up in the tube size number one because it got popped like nowadays look like, how big that tube is <laughs> yes, on that guy if you don't have a 30 millimeter main tube you're just you're not nothing like that's what the good glass is meanwhile these optics manufacturers by, are like by 56 <laughs> millimeter front yes. oh i'll get the objective size there in a minute that most time there's no difference. There's only the ability to uh, dial it more because it has the larger outer tube. It gives you more room to adjust the, what's the internal part where the, uh, 
I forgot. Should have pulled up a diagram. I forgot what the internal tube is called, where the uh, typically the reticle is Erector. housed. Erector tube, right? <laughs> Erector assembly, possibly. I don't yeah. remember. Here, wait. You didn't. Jamie, bing. you have to go. You have to go. Bing, bing. And that'll means that means I'll edit it in. <laughs> but <laughs> there are exceptions to everything. But typically speaking. The internal assembly is no different in size. You just have more room to adjust. That's why typically longer range optics with these exposed turrets, and we'll get to that in a minute, have larger tubes. So you have more room to dial the assembly to move it for longer shots. But <laughs> we're going back to use case again. Say I'm a boomer and I just don't like to look at LPVOs. I'm just, I'm not about that life. Or you want a like an ultralight hunting rifle scope that you're going to be shooting out to a couple hundred, two, three hundred yards. It is very possible to take something like this, which this is a VX3i. Is that the one with the fire knot? No, it's not even illuminated. I don't know why it's called a VX3i. I don't remember now. This is incredibly lightweight. And that's where, like, the one-inch scope tubes, like, people don't understand. Like, there's Swarrow still makes one-inch scope tubes. Everybody still makes one-inch scopes. <laughs> one-inch scope tube optics because they're so freaking, they can be made so freaking lightweight. Uh, like, like, this one here is a 4.5 to 14 by 40 millimeter. It's a one-inch scope tube. Very simple, super lightweight. I mean, this thing weighs, you pull up specs, it's probably, like, 12 15 ounces tops like it's pretty hard to beat some of these higher quality one inch scope tube optics when you're like putting together say like a mountain rifle and you you don't feel conf confident shooting long range like a couple hundred yards about the furthest you're going to shoot uh this is where you would get into like this or the swarrows or you know some of your higher quality glass one inch scope tube like when weight really matters you get into the one inch scope tubes you start trimming out tons of weight and also, I mean, you may be one of those guys that just doesn't like the LPVO, the thought of LPVO, and you're going to get like a four and a half, fourteen, or three to nine, three to nine stuff like that. The cool thing about this is they are just uh, lightweight, compact you know, sometimes, which this one's kind of long compared to like some of the LPVOs. But where I would push people towards a one inch scope tube is like lightweight. Because, like, especially the freaking Leopolds, like, they're super lightweight. Now, is that one I'm going to get that has a dialable turret? No. I don't even know if anybody even does a one-inch tube dialable turret anymore. There's probably someone still hanging in there. Like, I think uh, Swarrow has one of their one-inch tube scopes that has, like, their BDC turret thing. But if you're going to get into the long-range game, start dialing, move up to at least a 30-millimeter main tube go from there so you know generic hunting i'm going to recommend an lpvo or like the, if you're shooting for super lightweight just plain jane optic i don't want nothing crazy going on get into the leopold vx3i or the vx freedoms uh, they got some good options for the money the vx freedoms are pretty good scopes for the money like i don't i don't even see the reason to have a vx3i over the vx freedom like for me, it's the optic clarity isn't there to warrant going to the VX3i. You you just go from the VX Freedom all the way up to the um, VX5, VX6, Mark V, so on and so forth. But uh, Vortex is 
lower cost options. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I mean, there are a few of the, uh, like the Diamondback Tactical, the newer one, the first focal plane, 30 millimeter main tube, 4 to 16. As far as just like a, like a 22 plinker scope, uh, it's totally fine for the money. Now, I'm not down on turrets. I'm using Radical to hold. And I wouldn't trust those turrets as far as I can throw them. But it's kind of, kind of be in that same price point. Now, is that going to be good for hunting? No. Uh, we're getting getting up there in the magnification. It's not illuminated. It's just a relatively inexpensive scope. It's really for like target shooting, like plinking with a 22. So moving up from there, we kind of get into like that kind of covers our like close range hunting, in my opinion. Uh, your one inch scope tubes, and some of you, like there are some thirty millimeter scope tube, just plain Jane duplex reticles or simple reticles. They look great out there. Again, put eyes on glass. But if you're hunting within a couple hundred yards, uh, my picks are the LPVL steel. Like, they look just fine on a regular hunt scope. And more and more people are adopting that, especially like safari-style hunting. We could potentially be shooting super close or out to a couple hundred yards. Utilize new technology. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, my next category would be, like, hunting to long-range shooting or long-range hunting. Now, this is this category has exploded over the past couple of years because there's so many people doing both. Well, there's so many people that like to hunt, but they also like the long-range plink. Like, even if they don't long-range hunt, they still like the long-range plink because it's gotten so popular. This is where, number one, you need to know, like, I need to know what is long-range shooting to you because if it's 300 yards, we're still in LPVL territory for myself. Well, let's just say... <clears throat> We're going to hunt out to whatever the range you decide, and we're going to plink out to a 1,000. Now, this category, again, I'm going to recommend spending as much as money as you possibly can. But nowadays, there's so many options available in so many different price categories. Now, I will shoot out pretty far with LPVO, but most of them don't have uh, focus adjustment, side focus. And that becomes more popular or more important when you start long range plinking. Now, is it needed? No, I could sit down with my one to tens, one to eights, even one to six and shoot out to a thousand yards. Is it the most ideal? Are the LPVLs most ideal? No, but I have done it. You just have to, when you don't have parallax adjustment, just know it could be a little bit wonky out there at longer ranges. Hold left edge. <laughs> and you better be have a perfect cheek weld and completely lined up behind that scope or else parallax is going to get you. So let's just pretend like LPVLs are out on this. Cause I want to, I want to hunt to a 500. I want to target shoot to a thousand where I'm at again, going back to budget, which one am I going to do the most and what kind of hunting? Because I'm not going to, some of these long range target scopes are freaking tanks. Like they're heavy as shit. And if I'm going to be primarily hunting more and I like to pack hunt, I'm trimming weight wherever I can, and I'm probably going to point you towards Leopold's because most of the time Leopold's is the lightest weight optic for like its class, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna point you towards a locking target turret, which is the elevation turret, and I'm gonna go with some sort of locking and zero stop situation. Now, what is zero stop? It means when you dial it back to zero, it stops. Now. Is that a must-have? No. Is it pretty handy? Yes. Because, like, if you just dial your shit back and it hits zero and stops. Get lost in the sauce. Um. <laughs> yeah. Man. I don't know. Today's, it's it's way harder today, especially if you go meal, because, you know, if you're smart. 
it's yeah. the numbers are smaller. It's yeah, I don't know. It's well, nice though, like when you when you when you finish shooting, like like mentally, just to know to go back to zero. Yes, because if not, like I don't. Yeah, I don't. People. <laughs> yes, it can happen. That's why. And most most stuff nowadays does a pretty good job at putting a zero stop in. Uh, not always, but you know, like like a Kreiner scope, uh, what's the Legend fa- Precision. They uh, did not. They opted out of the zero stop. I really wish they put because as a whole, that scope's a little bit heavy, but as a whole, it's super compact. It's really good for the price point. They couldn't. They would have blown their price point they're shooting for out of the water if they'd have put a zero stop in. That's my only complaint with that. But at the same time, it's a mill mill graduated radical uh, thing, so it's like, eh. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to have, but now it does lock. I would, I would, if I had to choose between the two, I'd want a locking over a zero stop. My personal opinion. Now, that's just me. Like, I, I really like the. You know, I really like the again harping on Mark Fives here. I really like the push button locking turret, but I also like the push pull yeah. locking turrets. Like, as long as it has a locking turret, I'm good with that. Now, I'm gonna recommend, as far as your windage, finding a scope that has a cap windage. It's not very often you're ever gonna dial for win. You're gonna zero it, re-zero the turret, and then put the cap on it, leave it alone. But if it doesn't have a cap, I would want that to be locking 100%. And uh, you obviously can't have a zero stop on that because it's the windage. You know, I'm going to make an optic company. We're going to zero stop our <laughs> windage. I don't even know how you would go about doing that. But Capped, capped elevation turret. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even remember what I was at. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I want one, I, one or the other, I want a... I want a locking turret over a zero stop. But if you can get both, that's freaking great. Again, it falls on budgets. Like most days, especially once you get up like $1,000, you're going to get a locking and cap. I mean, locking and zero stop most of the time. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm sure even lower price points nowadays. They point your microphone at the at the, the turret. Oh. 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 That wasn't the turret. Oh, listen to that. So audible. Impactile. Scope ASMR, everybody. Sorry. One of the best in the business. Leopold Mark V. Leopold Mark V. Oh, you'll see his little brother down here. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about that one. We're going to do a reel about it. Ooh. Uh, so we're in this hunting and long-range shooting category. Now, keep in mind... I'm going to recommend a first focal plane illuminated reticle, but that tends to be one of your most costly optics. When you place those two together, first focal plane and illuminated, the price dramatically increases. Now, if you're going to get a first focal plane, I highly recommend for a hunting rifle to get to the illuminated option because today's first focal plane scopes on low power settings like we go all the way down to 3.6 on this one if you didn't have illumination you can't hardly see the reticle now this is the this particular one is the tmr reticle it's a little bit more bold than the other reticles so could it be done yes low light situations if you're looking at a dark target be pretty tough to see the reticle if it was illuminated so i highly recommend that now there are still lots of options that are second focal plane 
if you're going to be hunting way more and potentially every once in a while long range shooting potentially or taking a little bit longer shots every once in a while there are lots of second focal plane options available that have a lot of these features you're looking for and great glass and great reticle options but keep in mind when you start pushing the limits a little bit further wind holds are a thing like I'm going to say, if you're going to, if you intend on shooting past 300 yards, wind holes become important. Now on second focal plane optics, it very much depends on what power setting you're on, on this optic. And I tend to recommend like, okay, that's great. You don't like first focal plane. You don't want to buy a illuminated optic, but you want this to be able to be capable of longer ranges. I tend to tell people like keep it in the lower magnification range. 2 to 10, 3 to 12, maybe, just maybe 4 to 16 or 3 to 15, something like that. Because keep in mind, if it's midday, the mirage could be awful. And zooming your shit all the way up to its max magnification, because that's where your subtensions are going to be correct for wind holds, could become an issue. You might need to back it down to like 10x. That's why I highly recommend if you're going to run second focal plane, keep it in that 3 to 12. 10 and 12 tops like area because that's gonna you're gonna be able to shoot through most mirage on 10 12 x you start cranking it up to 14 15 everything else especially in certain areas mirage can become a major issue and if you're running a second focal plane reticle and you're shooting long range the minute you dial off of that max magnification it becomes a math equation to figure out what your wind holds are to make your sub tensions correct for like your wind holds again say this one right here very popular amongst many varmint hunters and deer hunters and um i'm not gonna say long range hunting but i'm gonna say a lot of people shoot longer ranges because you can't get the cds turrets for this but this particular one is a three to 18 now being it's a second focal plane if i was going to make a shot at like six seven hundred yards on saying all dead and i'm dialed up to 18 because i know two m away equals two m away on this windplex reticle uh, let's say I'm in a scenario where there's a bunch of mirage and I just cannot make that shot. I need a dollar down to, you know, seven, seven X. That becomes a pretty tough math equation that I'm not smart enough to do in my head. Now, the great thing about Leopold is they give you a, a little mark where nine X would be. Now, if the wind costs two him away at that yardage, on 18x where the subtensions are correct which is max magnification 18 they give you that mark at 9x because that then doubles your wind hold does that make sense the way i explain that yeah so like i, I dialed down to 9x because i can't see because of mirage at 18 so now i'm going to double my wind hold because i dialed down halfway yes that's the only problem with second focal planes if you're if you intend on shooting way more at longer ranges because during the day, especially good high-quality glass, the good thing about that is this is a good glass. Like, this is VX6 glass. You're going to be able to see Mirage. You're going to be able to read the wind a lot better once you kind of go down that path of reading Mirage. Now, that's a great scope. I mean, probably one of Leopold's top sellers, I'd imagine. 
Uh, I know it has been at, at the store. Like, we've sold tons of those because they're great scopes, especially a lot of varmint hunters really love them because it has a lot of a lot of those great, great features. The VX6 glass is great, fast-focus eyepiece. It's got that big old objective laid all that night in. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. It has, it actually has, it has a locking windage, but you keep it, I didn't think about that while I go. You keep it pressed in to get past it. So there you go, folks. We were wrong. <laughs> uh, as a easy to use Doesn't zero stop very often. system. <laughs> Great turrets. These are limited. Has a super lightweight. I mean, there's there's really a lot to like about these. Glass is great. Some of the best scope caps in the business, in my personal opinion. And they come factory option with the VX6. Uh, it's crazy. But anyways, your other option is, I guess, maybe perhaps Vortex took note of all the VX5, VX6 cells and was like, we need something that competes with it. Because typically speaking, a lot of Vortex's stuff is pretty heavy. Pretty big, pretty heavy. They didn't really have nothing that competed in this little market here. So they come out with the Vortex Razor LHT line, which is a 30 millimeter main tube. The first one that came out was a second focal plane, 3 to 15. Now, like I said, that's right on the edge there. I wouldn't want to go any further now on second focal plane for something that's really meant for shooting long ranges. Then they dropped this bad boy. Now, this is the Vortex Razor LHT, which, what does that stand for? Light hunting tactical or some shit like that. Great scope. Uh, I wish it was a little bit shorter, but things get ultimately more complicated when you shorten up optics. Uh, this is a four and a half to 22 first focal plane has illumination push button illumination just like the x6 has a great easy to use turret here it's a locking plus zero stop in the capped windage this is a great optic in my opinion this one trumps the vx6s because it is available in a first focal plane like this is what i'd recommend for somebody who's going to go way more hunting but still want to get into long range shooting like it's a fantastic option, relatively lightweight, good glass. It's the razor glass. The only thing, only downfall I have, <clears throat> only complaint I have is they don't include a, uh, what you call these things? Uh, scope caps, a lever, a throw lever oh. and scope caps. You get a bikini cap with these things. And I'm just like, you're paying that much. You should give me a scope. Who cap. makes those uh, scope caps? MK machining. They're kind of, kind of, they're kind of chunky, but they're really nice. Like they work really good. They are, I won't own scope caps unless they fold flat. Uh, that's just, I hate it if they don't. And these are really nice for the money, the MK machining. But anyways, uh, good hunting slash long range optic. A little bit better than the VX6 in my opinion because it is available in their first focal plane. Now, if they, Leopold would step up their game and offer like one or two of the VX6 HDs in first focal plane, that'd be rad. But why would they when they have the Mark V line? <laughs> moving on my next my next uh my next uh topic would be long range dedicated to long range hunting uh obviously <laughs> yeah just i'm gonna end it right there and buy mark five <laughs> oh it's the goat 
nowadays there's so many options and there's so many people have their feelings about glass and everything else they're wrong Leopold Mark 5. <laughs> save up for i'm it. a huge fan of the mark 5 3.618 it's compact it's everything you need short compact I sexy think, audible tactile <laughs> perhaps one of the lightest weight long-range optics there is like most yep. of the my biggest complaint with long-range optics now if i'm putting together like a prs type gun or a bench you know i have tons of different optics uh, if I'm putting together that type of rifle, I'm literally never going to take it hunting. I don't really care about the scope weight, but I, again, going back to, I really like the Leopold glass. I have the five, the 25s of the seven thirty fives. Like I have all of them. I freaking love them. I do have some of the razor. The razors just weigh like 97 pounds, but on the rifles I have them on, it doesn't matter. I mean, they look cool. Like they, the same colors, the one at 10 over there great scopes for the money i mean nowadays they're all freaking expensive when you get into that higher tier stuff but if we're talking about long range hunting too long range i'm going mark five all the way now i haven't tried zero compromise uh you messed around with a little bit of the i guess that was a tangent theta yes i've tried just about everything but uh or poor zero compromise or broke can't afford them things <laughs> Yeah, I've shot behind or own just about everything but a zero compromise. Uh, well, they, well, there's one thing they definitely don't do, it's compromise. <laughs> zero? <laughs> yeah, none. Absolutely none. I'm still, again, for the money, I just can't justify recommending other thing than a Mark V. Uh, but again, if your eyes don't agree with the glass, then don't get it. But I would never, if again, these scopes land on a lot of my rifles because I, it, I love long range hunting and I love long range shooting. So it's, it's a great crossover for me, especially the 3.618. Like newsflash folks, you're not going to, especially if you're long range hunting or long range shooting a lot of times. Yeah. It's great to have more magnification, but a lot of times you're not shooting on that magnification, especially if it's during the day. Cause the mirage got so bad, you're going to be dialing it down. So 3.618 is pretty good go for most scenarios. Again, I have tons of them. I think some of the most overrated optics there is out there is the some of the lower lines of the Night Force. I do like some of the new ones. But some of their old shit, it, just, it didn't impress me none. Like I used to tell people this all the time. The SHV line was the most overrated optic. Boy, that's a Night Force. I know people are going to hate you this. But guess what? The, the, before Nikon went under, Nikon's black line, which is like a seven to eight hundred dollar line. It like they really got it straight right before they went out of business. It's kind of sad, <laughs> <laughs> but they really got it straight right before they went out of business. But their their black FX whatever the the last line they put out, optics, you know, optic clarity, tracking everything else. It was it was right there with the SHV. Like there was no difference, and there was a difference of price point of about four hundred dollars. And I swear to God, it looked like the same glass. There was. To, to my eyes, there was no perceivable difference in the glass. It looks so identical with lens coatings and everything else. I swore it was the same glass. I think what uh, I think what Night Force did better than everybody else is like their line of optics is very like cohesive. Yes, and that's what there are. Again, I, I don't hate Night Force. The newer stuff, like that, what is it, two and a half to twenty or whatever? What is the, Oh yeah, two, I really like that one. Uh, the the big old boys. If you're just like I doing, was, a, I was never impressed with anything other than the uh, back of the day, other than the ATAC Rs and the Beast. 
The beast is just that. It's freaking beast. The beast. The attacker. I have some of the four to sixteens. There's one right there. That one. I mean, I like it. It's Get off my scope. Compact and everything else, but no, it looks good. Look at that. Really, look at that. Look at that NF. That logo. I really. I don't really have Mark Five. We have a gold ring around your optic. Uh, excuse me. The Mark Fives don't have a gold I know, ring. I'm just saying it's it. the black ring. That's what I always hate about Leopold. The gold. The gold ring. The the gold ring, John. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, again, it depends on like if I'm just long range shooting. Let's be honest. The only thing better than a Leopold Mark V HD 3.618 would be a tan Leopold Mark V. Exactly. (laughs) 3.618. Yeah, if they ever just come out with tan 3.618s to 10s, I'm I'm done with everything else. You know what? Just get rid of all of it. And it really really upsets me that they didn't come out with a 1 to 8 or 1 to 10. As much as I like the 2 to 10. I'm sure it's coming. It's not really that much different than the 3.618. It's literally, uh, I think, one inch shorter and like one or two ounces lighter. But like, just, just leave it to Leopold. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the 2 to 10. And we'll get into that another day, perhaps. Maybe we'll just do a podcast all about Leopold. You know what? Let's let's play a game. Like Leah, old people running the company. <laughs> I'm gonna give out. I mean, I think it's probably been going. What is it, an hour or more? I started before you got here because I started recording some other stuff, and uh, we're two hours. But that's from the beginning. I think we're oh, start yeah. 45 minutes in. So, so I mean, let's probably wrap it up. I, mean, uh, I want to wrap it up. Okay. You question me on what I would choose for certain things. Um, first LPVO. First, like, what do you mean? Baby's first LPVO. I've never had one. I'm going to go buy one. Do I have a budget? I want to try it out. A uh, thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. First LPVO. Hmm. I'm probably just going to go. No, that doesn't get you into the voodoo, does it? Ooh, no, it's no, more than under, that. Yeah, just under uh, I'm gonna go with six hour. So then your next step up from that would probably be a voodoo. Then, absolutely voodoo one to ten. It's my jam. Past that, vortex riser. Uh, yeah. I really hope they come out with a different reticle option because just I can't get over how big that aiming dot is. Yeah. Okay. The, AR fifteen, like mostly shooting five hundred yards and in. LPVO. Okay, you're sticking with that. Yeah. If you can't do that with LPVO, like a one eight to one ten, yeah, you just stop. <laughs> it's true. <sighs> it's it's pretty doable. I do it quite often. Uh, yeah, I really don't. I, I don't even know anything now else has to ask because in my mind, I'm just like, okay, from there, it's just the Leopold Mark by the HD three one six eight. That's no two to ten. I'm riding the two to ten train all the way out to. I like, haven't even looked down one on a rifle yet. It looks just like a three point six eight. There's kind of been a lot going on. Okay, it depends. I'm gonna back up my previous answer, like five, six hundred yard ish. If I'm shooting more out there, I'm going with the two to ten. <laughs> if I'm shooting just kind of all over the place, LPVO. Uh, I mean, Leopold does a lot of things great, like the Mark Five, fantastic. The VX Five, VX Six, four is like a hunting scope, like upper tier quality, like great glass and options, feature sets fantastic but they 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 really mess up a lot of shit because they're boomers 
with the Mark very III slow to adapt to the Mark HD. Fantastic little options. You got a three to nine, a four to fourteen, or four to twelve, or something like that. It was it was supposed to uh, replace the VX3i LRP, which is a first focal plane four and a half fourteen, like a compact one, and then you had your six to twenty four. The new Mark III HDs, glass is good, feature sets good. I really don't like the fact that it's a second focal plane only. Now, I'm, I'm okay with that, though, because it's just a 3 to 9. Like, you're going to be shooting on max power. or I think it's a 4 to 12, if I recall correctly. You're going to be shooting on max power. It's fine. I can, I can live with the fact that they're like, well, let's just give them a, you know, I know like we're giving it like this tactical name and all that, you know, it's, it's supposed to replace this other long-range scope. We'll just give them a second focal plane only. I, I can get over that because of the power power ranges. What I can't get over is the freaking, and I don't remember the name of that turret system. It works, but it maxes out because it, the way they do their zero stops, it's yeah. all internal to the, most of them are internal to the cap itself, the turret cap. That's the like the P5 or some stupid shit. It maxes out at five and three quarter mils. Wow. And that's five and three quarter mils. Most calibers that's, you can't get a, a thousand with. I was going to say, no, you can. That's more enough, uh, more than enough to make an ethical shot. <laughs> now, glass, everything else, I really like that scope. But the, they need to just get rid of the P5 turret. And it really, I don't have one in here because it's mounted on a rifle. It really resembles this VX Freedom a lot. Actually, I think this is one of the P5 turrets, actually. No, it's not. This one doesn't have zero stop. This is actually the VX Freedom uh, 4 to 12 30 millimeter main tube with side focus, uh, side parallax, all that stuff. It, it's basically probably the same thing as the Mark III. <laughs> Sit with their, their P5 turret. Now, it does, again, it has zero stop, but it maxes out it. It's full rotation. The turret, the the elevation that's present inside, I've pulled the turret off and just dialed it, uh, is a lot. And I actually tried messing with the turret so I could do away with the zero stop to give me more elevation. It didn't quite work right, so I kind of abandoned that idea. But the VX Freedom line, if you get in the 30 millimeter main tubes, they all have these fast focus eyepiece. They're really good for the money. But again, it, it falls down on like use case scenario and all that stuff. Like, uh, there's just it's it's really tough nowadays because there's so many options, and if if you kind of make out that list like I talked about at the very beginning, like it's really going to help you narrow down your. Because again, I can imagine getting into this shit nowadays with all the options. Like, it would have to be very overwhelming. Yeah, well, especially because everything's so like, like we're in a state of transformation on everything. And shit is so good, and opinions run amok. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of people who just, like, think that other people care about their opinions, who just talk about yes. their opinions all the time. And they have podcasts talking yeah, about their opinions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this very simple. Like, LPVL is out to 500 yards. If I'm shooting more at five and 600 yards than, than I am closer and I'm never shooting close range, I'm going to go to the 2 to 10 Mark V if I have it in my budget or 
looking at one of these, if I like Sega focal plane better, like the VX freedom or the Mark three HD line. Uh, if I, if I'm going to be hunting a lot more than anything, uh, I'm going to be looking at the uh, VX5, VX6 line, or potentially the Razer LHT line. And again, I'm I'm missing a lot of scopes out there because there's I, I still have a ton in there, and you know, it's it's hard hard to know which way to go nowadays. I've now that I've kind of gotten out of mostly reviewing scopes, I've I've kind of started just going certain directions. Mark fives on most things, LPVLs on the others. I mean, that's just kind yeah. of where I'm living nowadays. But I still, I still get new scopes often enough to where I can kind of keep up to date. Because again, we are in a business such as this, uh, the industry, if you will, to where people are going to ask me constantly, and I like to try at least like try some out, and then I'll just turn around, and sell them, blow them out for next to nothing, just going have an opinion on a matter. But again, I like I'm LPVOs out to a couple hundred, and then past LPVOs, I just go ahead and jump into Mark Fives most of the time. Now, the 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 exception to this is like dedicated varmint hunting rigs that I'm not going to be shooting long range, like three four hundred yards tops. Uh, I liked getting to getting into the again the VX6 line because its feature set caps and throw lever, or the Swarrow line, two to like z6 and z8 eyes and stuff like that like you're talking about optimal clarity on glass but there's no other features other than your optimal clarity and pretty good reticles like they have some good bdc reticles and that's going to be where i'm going to be leaning towards is like a straight varmint gun nighttime shooting or super low light i'm not downing i'm just going to hold over like primarily i'm shooting up close so within 100 yards like 2 to 12 you know stuff like that again Spend as, save your money, spend as much money as you can, get the highest quality stuff you can, but you don't have to. Just know, like, if you're going to buy lower quality, buy lower magnification. It's really simple. You're going to, you, you don't need 24X all the time. Like, you're, you know, especially if you're spending, I'm going to say under $500. I actually, I wouldn't even buy 24X to $1,000. Uh, I just, it's not. I don't know. You're, you're rarely going to use that much, especially when you're buying. You're really going to use that much because when you can use that much, there's going to be so much mirage that you need to dial it back off. Buy a lower magnification. Just get, get better at shooting. I don't, uh, if you don't even drop nothing about iron sights in here, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun to shoot like a lever action iron sight past that i'm just i don't care i don't care what you did with your iron sights a thousand yards i just i don't care buy an optic they're great <laughs> i mean i think i think that pretty much concludes this smorgasbord of optics talk we're thinking about carrying a few optics on the alliedmunitions.com let us know what you do what you think down below and let us know something you'd like to see down below or if you even care uh, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in to the episode 55 <laughs> of the TPH podcast available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcasts, where we took an in-depth look at rifle optics and the key factors to consider when making a purchase. <laughs> we hope this discussion has provided you with valuable insight and guidance. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and stay up to date with future episodes until next time. Happy shooting and hunting. <laughs> that was really professional. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Chat GPT. Yeah. Hey, I wrote oh, that for me. <laughs>
Well, we'll see you guys next time. Taking our jobs. I <laughs> feel.